Got an interesting topic today. I want to teach you how to dream. How to dream. A friend of mine bought a book a while ago, and man, I want to find it. It was just called, I think it was the 100 Greatest Speeches in the World. And one of them, of course, was Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream. I mean, when you read that and you listen to his voice on tape, just talk. It just touches you so deep. I have a dream. Did you know that you're supposed to have a dream? Your life will not go the way you want it unless you have a dream and you know how to dream. You see, your enemy has a dream for you. It says in Mark, well, it says all through the word, Jesus says, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his dream for you. You have an enemy. His dream is to kill you. His dream is to destroy your marriage, your kids, your lineage, your generations. His desire is to steal your reputation to steal what's important to you. It's to destroy your trust in the Most High God. Do not, to, to not walk the paths He's prepared for you ahead of time. You have an enemy and He's got a dream for you. One of the, my favorite stories in the Bible is David and Goliath. Do you know I've been preaching on that now for probably 40 years and I keep seeing something new all the time? Goliath had a dream. Now, he didn't say it that way. I have a dream. But he did declare his dream. Send out a champion to fight me because I'm going to whip him. And then you're going to serve us. Which meant we're going to kill the men. We're going to rape the wives. And we're going to make all of your children become servants and slaves. That was, their, that was his dream. And that evil dream was coming from his country, that culture. This is what's going to happen. Goliath had a dream. Now what's interesting is in this story, the Philistines came out every day and they would stand on these hill, this hill overlooking the valley of Elah. And on the other side, God's army or the Israelite army would walk out because the Philistines were coming to take their country. Steal it. Fight for it. And in doing that, they had this new kind of strategy. Rather than go and fight and lose half our army trying to get it, let's send our favorite guy out there. Let's send Goliath. Biggest, toughest, meanest. He was over nine feet tall. His lungs would have been twice the size of mine. And, you know, the bigger something has for a chest, the more that voice can just carry a wall. And so Goliath would come out, and he'd begin to scream at them. He would take center stage. All of his soldiers were watching him, and all of the Israeli army were watching. And he'd get out there, and he'd say, Send a man to fight me. And he would do this during the day, not just once. 
We know at least twice and probably more depending upon what was going on. He would come out to the center stage of this valley of Elah and he would scream his dream. He did it the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, the seventh day, the second week, the third week, the fourth week, the fifth week, the sixth week, the seventh. This guy would get out there and blah, blah, blah. Do you know what's crazy? They listened to him. They listened to him. An entire Israeli army just stood there. Uh, Benjamin, did you hear what he said? He said he's going to kill us. <laughs> did you hear that, Reuben? Yeah. Well, 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 you know what? I, I, and, and they began to share his dream with each other. Goliath had a dream. It was a sick dream. It was an evil dream. It was a dream that was his arrogance. It was all about him being king, him rising up, him making everybody else kotow. It was about making the money off of their country. I mean, it, it, was, it was nothing but personal grandizement and narcissistic, egotistic. I mean, it was just all that. And he'd get out there every day. Now, Goliath was so tall, over nine feet tall, some stats say 11 feet tall. You know, giants today, or tall, tall people today, have a real hard time, um, you know, once they get past a certain size and they begin to approach eight feet, even if they do make it into basketball, you'll notice their joints and their bones and things, they don't last. But you study history, and I'm just going to give you a little, those who want it interesting, check out giants and burial mounds of giants around the world and you'll find out there were races of giants on the planet that's all being covered up you can find news clippings in newspapers back in the early 1900s of the smithsonian being given 40 50 skeletons of incredibly huge giants these giants are way beyond 11 feet tall and so it's interesting but anyway goliath it says was so powerful that his spear was like a weaver's beam and the tip was 20 pounds. Now, when I was training for the Olympics, I, I did javelin, but all the shot putters were like these muscle-bound guys. They couldn't, their arm was so muscular, they couldn't even comb the back of their hair. A friend of mine, Randy, he couldn't even get his comb back to comb the back of his hair. If we're traveling to a meet, he'd go, Leon, is my hair okay at the back? i go, yeah. And he'd go, do you mind just fixing your, oh, okay. Now, he'd grab a shot put, which is 16 pounds. Huge! I mean, the guy that won bronze for Canada one year, he, he worked on it. He was six foot six and just whoa. And he'd grab this shot put and he'd blob it. Well, this guy, that was the tip of his spear and he threw it and it was 20 pounds. Give an idea of the strength. So this Goliath would come out every day and he would share his dream. So, Leon, that's not really a dream. No, li listen to me because. As he shared his dream, he began to speak the language of the heart, which is images, video, which is pictures. And all the opposing army began to see themselves killed. He would use language like feed their bodies to the birds. Now, it wasn't, he wasn't talking about chickadees. He's talking about vultures. 
For some of you that come from countries where there are vultures, it's sick to watch them take out a body. I mean, it's, the battlefield is a disgusting place when the body... He was painting pictures of killing them, stealing them. And they just sat there day after day and listened to his dream. Reminds me of the last couple of years... And you know, we should, we should probably listen to it more than once. <laughs> let's listen to the suit and tie on this channel, and let's listen to the suit and tie on that channel, and, and uh, let's listen to the prognostications over here and the hypothesis over here, and now let's not check out any opposing science, but, but let's just look at, and, and we listen, and they paint this picture of this stuff. Now, don't go misquoting me. I'm not, I'm not stupid. I've, we've got research people who research scientists around the world and doctors and leading research institutes. I, I know my science. I'm shocked how many don't. <laughs> so they get up and blah, blah, blah. Not one day, not two days, not three days, not four days, not one month. Not two months, but on and on and on. Now listen to me. There's two kinds of dreams. There's the dream that faith builds, and there's the dream that fear builds. The fastest way to control any group of people is to pound fear into them. It's the quickest way. Because then once you pound fear into them and you get it past fear till it becomes phobia, then you can get them to do anything quickly. But if you want to raise up great people, you would never use fear. Oh, you would instruct them, you would warn them, you would let them know of the dangers, of the situations. You wouldn't censor the information, you'd give them all the information so they can rise up and know what's going on. So this parallel between David and Goliath is interesting, because Goliath has a dream. And this dream begins to infiltrate the Israeli army to such a degree that they're all so afraid nobody will talk back. Now, the danger of Goliath wasn't his sword. He had a huge sword that David could hardly lift when he did cut his head off. It wasn't the spear that was so heavy it would go through a sword or it could knock you right over 20 pounds of metal coming your way. It was his words. It was his words. Well, Leon, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Actually, when I grew up, I found out that's not true. You can control a country with words, just words. You can bring freedom with just words. You can bring an idea whose time has come, and it'll change the world. You can bring lies to control people, but you're not making people strong, which is why Jesus said, you need to know truth. 
the whole truth. And truth will set you free. You see, all truth is confrontational. People don't like it when I kind of teach this way. You know, I get people, I go, I'll go somewhere else. But... But all truth is confrontational. If what you're speaking isn't confronting anything, there's no viable or relatable truth that is doing anything, then you may as well just move over into the ditch because you're not doing anything. All truth is confrontational. It confronts lies. Partial truth is a lie. And so to not tell the whole truth creates huge problems. Now, as we look at Goliath, he is continually speaking. Now, was it possible for them to take them out? Yes. These are times of war. The Philistines, maybe they could take them out. But how many times had God rescued his people miraculously from other armies? Like, I can't, I can't even count. I actually don't even know the number. It's high. I mean, took out the Egyptian army, and he parted Red Seas. He fed them with manna. Uh, when they would walk across the desert, the Bible says every country that would see them was at fear because they knew that a cloud was over top of them to protect them from the sun. And when they camped out at night, a fire so powerful, it was like a blowtorch radiating over two million people to keep them warm, the Bible says. They knew God, something was with this group of people. David, he's out looking after sheep. Now his brothers, he's got three brothers who are fighters. The oldest, the second oldest, and the third oldest. And I think David's like seventh or eighth down. So he's told to bring them some food. He's bringing food to brothers who've been listening to this now for 40 days. They're so pickled in fear. Their heart dreams. They go to bed at night and they're shaking. They can hardly sleep. I don't know what they smoked back then to go to sleep, but they took something, I'm sure, just to knock them out because the, 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 the nightmares they were having about being butchered and vultures killing you and your wife being stolen and your cities being ransacked and you're going to lose everything. And, and it was fear, fear, fear. But this little guy named David, now he wasn't little, but he was young. He just hadn't been listening to this. So he comes to bring food to his brothers. And he's probably in his late teens, and, and he, he just happens to be there when, when, when Goliath walks out, and he goes, and he looks around, and knees are knocking, <laughs> teeth are chattering, and they have this look on their face. <laughs> Did you hear that? He's not just going to stab us once, he's going to stab us twice. I mean, dead's dead. I mean, time to stab me after that. I mean, it, whatever was going on. And so David's looking around. He sees his oldest brother and his second oldest brother. He admires these men are warfare. They're trained in war. And he looks around, and he can't understand what's going on. Why? Because he's not pickled. Because he goes, what in the world? His brother has a talk with him. You arrogant little thing. Who do you think you are? Well, you have an answer, do you? He gave him that speech. Why? Because fearful people get mad when someone stands against their fear. The second step of fear is always anger. And weak leaders who aren't listened to, who have low self-worth, they get angry too when people don't obey them. <gasps> I have authority. I have power. Oh, 
You're supposed to be leading and helping and, and, and bringing people up. We're supposed to be serving with leadership. You know, let him who desires to be great be the servant of all. David comes along and he just cannot believe this. How can his brothers change in 40 days when they've been trained in warfare for years? So, he does what every angry man does. He starts cursing and talking about private parts. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What he was really saying was, he does not have a covenant with God. Because every man in those days in a covenant with Jehovah Jireh, they were circumcised as a sign that I am God's. In other words, who is this guy with no covenant with God? Who in the world? The king hears about it and he has him called to his tent because he just can't believe someone's actually speaking up. You know, when a whole bunch of folks don't want you to talk or use your social media to give your opinion, and if they, you do, they're going to come after you, and who cares? Because silence isn't golden. It's yellow. It's yellow. Words are powerful. Goliath had a dream. And that dream began to permeate the army of Israel. And that dream would have taken the army out because it was evil. And it was getting into their heart. And you have to guard your heart, Proverbs 4 says. Because if you don't guard your heart with all diligence, then, you're, then the forces of life that are supposed to flow out of your heart of protection and blessing and the favor of God and leadership and winning, where a thousand will fall at your side and ten, it's not yours because you're allowing your heart to be inundated with a foreign dream, with a fearful dream. So David begins to talk back. And Goliath, he begins to curse him with his God. Said he got, when he saw David come up, he got upset. Because he was having a good time. 40 days of being the man. Walk on the stage, you know, got your, all your equipment, boom, boom, boom. Ah, he, he was the star. He was the leader. Everyone's listening to him. Except he was wrong. So David comes towards him, reaches down, picks up five stones, puts them in his little pouch. Someone said to me one time, David must have been worried about missing because he picked up five stones. <laughs> if you go into 2 Samuel, did you know that Goliath had four sons who were all battle-trained warriors as well? And that his men, or he, took them all out, and it mentions them by name taking them out. David didn't just kill giants, he raised up giant killers. So he put five in because there was Goliath and four more giants back there. He planned on taking them all out. Well, Leon, I, you, you don't know that for sure. No, no, I don't, but then why didn't he pick up six stones, three stones? 
So David begins to move towards him, which irritates him because he's lost his star position of leadership, and it's crazy how many leaders get intoxicated with power. And he begins to curse him, and David looks at him, and he says to him this, I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, and I'm taking your head off. And then he, then angels jumped down and shot him forward, and lightning came out of the sky and destroyed his sword, and, and no, I was just making that part up. No. He simply did what he did every day. He threw rocks, and he aimed it at trees, and he, just, he had a slingshot, pulls his slingshot out, puts one rock in, runs at Goliath, bam, straight into his forehead, down he goes. We can't really see anything miraculous here, but it is supernatural because of this stunning courage, the stunning faith, words that, can, that take on that dream straight on and refuses, and he's not going to argue with Goliath. He has a better dream. He doesn't go, no, you're not. No, no, I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. No, no way. No way. No. He listens to him talk, and he just declares his dream, that his God would win. And he did. And I want to say something to you. You have to have a dream it might not be as, as high as Martin Luther King's dream, Jr. But it needs to be a dream of your kids playing in parks and hugging each other again. It needs to be of being in restaurants and eating food. That dream needs to be going from country to country and enjoying beaches and travel. Needs to be smiling and getting rid of fear and doing business again. Needs to not being divisive or paranoid or phobic. Needs to have a get up and say the world that's ahead of us, that I'm, going, I'm not going to my grave with a whole bunch of kids who are running around all freaked out with 50,000 more rules that they can't even enjoy. No, we're going to rise up and begin to declare that the presence of God guides our scientists, that the presence of God guides our politicians, that the presence of God guides healthcare, that he raises up where there isn't good leadership and, you know, that he raises up great leaders. You need to speak up. Nobody had a different dream than Goliath's. And if God wouldn't have raised up a David, then the dream that that giant evil, weird, Philistine, dominating, controlling, going to get what was good for him, what he wanted, he'd have gotten it. There was no one else speaking a dream. God took Ezekiel the prophet into a, a valley of dry bones. And this is a very sad sight. It's an army that's dead. The vultures have picked them clean. The bones aren't even touching each other. God says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, you know, God, you can do anything. It kind of reminds me of the guy with one talent that buried it and said, well, I knew you could do whatever you want, so I'm just going to keep it for you. God called him lazy, by the way, and took it away from him, gave it to the guy with 10. And he says, Ezekiel, you speak to it. 
And he even tells them what to say. It was very deep. So Ezekiel spoke to the bones and said, come together. And the ankle bones and the shin bones and the funny bones and whatever the bones all came together, each in their place. And it was sound like this cacophony of noise all through this valley as bones began to find their spot and the skeletons came together. And then he said, speak muscles and sinews on the bones. And he did. He spoke out loud, muscles, sinews, come onto those bones. And the muscles and sinews came onto the bones, but there's no life. Now speak life. If you and I, as human beings on this planet, do not speak the dreams, the desires that God's Word has given us, then all it is is potential. I like potential. But potential without action, potential without a dream, potential without speaking it, is actually nothing. And so you must speak. You must prophesy what it is you want in your future. That's how you pray. You pray by prophesying the Word. The Word says, I walk in the protection and the blessing of God. The Word says that no sickness and no disease, that no evil thing can harm me or hurt me. With long life, He's going to satisfy me. He says, my kids are going to know peace and prosperity and blessing. He says that when I travel, I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. He says... Now, if you don't speak the word, then you're accepting somebody else's dream. I wonder who it is. Because we got 10,000 journalists out there who aren't being corrected on anything they do. They can say what they want, exaggerate what, about what they want, and they're not even being corrected anymore. It's like free. Just say what you want. We've got experts, quote unquote, who don't know, so they just, what they think. And we're all going, oh yeah. It's going to be bad. We're all going to die young. We're all not going to be able to, you know, Jesus, the Antichrist coming back. It's going to be a demon-possessed world. It, it, it's, it's all being ratcheted down. Things are never going to change, Leon. Love your dream, but it ain't mine. You can keep it. This is a very simple message, but it's a very profound message. A dream will not come to pass till it is spoken out loud. The Bible says life and death of a dream are in the power of tongue. The Bible says the words that we speak don't come back void. They accomplish what they are sent forth to do. So when you begin to declare, this is what the word says, others are inspired. David inspired an Israeli army that were so afraid, they were peeing their pants. They were so afraid, they got mad, he had courage. Isn't it interesting when people are angry because someone's got courage just to say, let's build a better life. Let's find a way for all of us to rise up and do something. And people get mad. But when he ran at that giant, something happened in the hearts of tens of thousands of soldiers watching. And as they got reminded, are you a man or a mouse? Are you going to stand up? And when that teenage boy began to declare the goodness and the preeminence of God and that he had a covenant with God and that God would see and he began to say it and speak it and do it. 
an entire army came to life and pushed out that enemy. And I've got news for you. We live in a complex world, yes. We live in a, in a world that people disagree, yes. We live in a world that if you have a different opinion than someone else, when it used to be, we would just talk and have a great time around coffee. Now you're a weirdo. Now you're just a religious nut. Now you're a guy. You, you just can't question people. Now, the only people I've ever noticed that don't like to be argued with are people who don't have an argument. I find that when I talk to a smart man who's got his facts straight or a brilliant woman who's got her facts straight and I disagree with her, they love to say, well, let's talk because they've got seven thoughts about this and three ideas about that and here's how they converge over here and, and I got, and, and so they love sharing it. But if you have no idea for your opinion other than so-and-so said and I think and I think, then you don't like being argued with. David began to speak up. And my challenge to you is to begin to pray out loud the Word of God and simply declare, simply like Ezekiel, Father, I declare my kids are going to enjoy a world that is free. I declare our government, Father, is going to release all information. I declare that, Father, we're going to walk in wisdom in health care, wisdom in politics. I declare we're going to walk in wisdom in education. You know, there, there's probably about 17 areas that are under attack right now. I mean, well, guess what they're trying to teach your kids in school? that you can't tell them whether it's a, they're a little boy or a little girl. And, but we'll tell them which we think they are at a certain point. So pray for education. Pray for teachers. Pray for leaders. Pray for the church. That You know, the churches across this nation would rise up and begin to declare wisdom and common sense and a return to reason. I have a dream. You have a dream. And maybe you need to be reminded of it. That dream is beautiful. It's profound. It's kids that laugh and love. Families that prosper and are blessed. Great educations for great careers. A God that we can love and serve and know that when we die, heaven is a reality. And we can know him personally as we walk this planet. Friendships across the nations and helping those who are marginalized. Reaching out to those, you know, a lot of people think, well, Leon, the church should just help the down and out. That's not what Jesus said. He said, I pray that you bear fruit and that your fruit drift away. No, that your fruit would remain. The product of your life, a marriage should grow better. The product of your life, your business should get better. The product of people coming together to raise up a nation that's not perfect. But then why is the whole world trying to come to our nation if it's so bad? I love Canada. I love the fact that, yes, you know, you can't have perfect justice. We have a legal system. It's the best we're going to get before we get to heaven. But I like having law. I like having a legal system. I like the structures and the systems that are here. I love Canada. I love where it's going. I just refuse to stay silent because this is a democracy and we actually need everybody to speak up. If you don't speak up, who will? David was not a perfect man. If you know the whole story of David, <laughs> you'll, you'll find out. But did you know he's called a man after God's own heart? So, messed up, 
sinful, made a lot of messes. But he had a courage that he just refused to be counted out. He just refused to be silent. And my challenge to you, pray the Word of God. And secondly, from the concourses of your cities and towns, the hallways of your jobs, where you buy, as people speak, speak with wisdom, but speak up. Speak truth. Don't allow yourself to be silenced. To be silenced means that our whole way of life is being challenged. We must speak up. We have, this is a free country. And if you're worried about someone talking about you, if you're worried about someone blogging about you, if you're worried about people, you know, calling you down by the tens of thousands and hundreds of, welcome to my life. It hasn't changed anything anyway. So I kind of go, big deal. Stop being afraid. And let's rise up. And let's share. Let, let's just share this. No, there's two things I'm talking about. Let's continue to share this beautiful Jesus to people who are on their last nerve, who just need a friend. And let's speak up in the concourses of power as well and, and democracy and all the rest. Because ahead of us is going to be the greatest years we've ever seen. The greatest years for the church is still ahead. Jesus didn't go that I will build my church and the gates of hell won't won't, won't prevail against it. Just joking. He didn't say, go into the world and preach the gospel. No one will join, but have a go. No. He said, the light's going to grow brighter and brighter until that perfect day. He said that we would make the enemy our footstool, that we would be able to help bring Jesus to a world who needs a spiritual life before they even figure out their physical life. They need a spiritual relationship before they'll ever figure out, figure out their physical relationships. They're going to need a spiritual family if they're ever going to figure out their physical family. They need to be in a spiritual kingdom if they're ever going to fill out, figure out a physical country. That's where the church of Jesus Christ is. We love people. We care. It's not divisive. You know, I'm speaking to people who voted for different people. You got different ideas. You and your wife don't even agree on the issues that are going on right now. But we can still love and appreciate and grow and flow together and say, I love the fact you're different. I love the fact that when we have a good conversation, there's a little bit of conflict there. That's where great ideas come from. And let's, and, 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 okay, my time is up. Quit, quit. No. <laughs> it's time to laugh a little bit, you guys. Some of you don't laugh much anymore and your kids are kind of going, you know, they don't know what to think. Some of you don't tackle your teenage boy and put grass stains all down his jeans. Some of you need to get up and go play trucks with your little guy and dolls with your little sister. You, you just need to get up and go have some fun. You need to tell some jokes. You need to do things that make you laugh. Laughter, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemy. You're never to stop partying, laughing, rejoicing, because he's going to see you through. And so, you know, people would often look at me and say, well, you're not taking this very seriously. Oh, well, what's seriously? Stop laughing, stop loving, stop hoping, stop dreaming. Look like you've been sucking on lemons all day. Pray as you weep into your tea. Life is over as we know it. Are you kidding me? The Bible says rejoice evermore. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The church of Jesus Christ, <laughs> the
the greatest times. I, I, you and I could have been born to some camel herder 3,000 years ago on the backside of the desert, but here you are today. You're here in the most important time of history. For every generation, God has men and women who will be counted. In the last 2,000 years, from monks laboriously copying the scriptures in caves and on islands as soldiers sought them out to kill and destroy God's word, they continued. Behind cities with the enemy all around as they would hide Bibles and the written word of God because they would burn them when they found them. Men and women stood for righteousness and for Jesus Christ. In this world where our great-grandparents fought for the rights that we have. I'm not going to let them just slip away. We're going to speak up. We're going to pray. We're going to get involved. And as we do, you're going to be surprised how little it takes. David didn't have to go, well, we're going to take a month and go learn how to do spear throwing because I got to throw against the best spear thrower in the Philistine army. He didn't say, I need to go get a whole bunch of sword lessons because his sword is the length of my entire body. I'm going to have to learn some new sword techniques. No, he just used what was in his hand. A slingshot and a stone. All you need to do, be who you is. Use the mouth God gave you. Speak up with wisdom, with love. Value every person. Don't get into anger and, and treat people like the enemy. Our, our war is not with flesh and blood. Behind it is something else. So we treat people with wisdom. We treat people uh, with love, which means we value them when they disagree with us. And this is what the church's stance has always been. Let's laugh. Let's love. I don't know what you used to do for fun, but maybe crank it back up. Father, I thank you today for your presence. I thank you for all of those joining us today here in our auditorium and around the world. I just pray that we, the church, would rise up valuing the people we're to reach, strengthening the cities, the countries. Father, I pray that we would not lose our hope because the greatest days are still ahead. It's in uncertain times that you've always shown yourself even stronger for people who would believe. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for wisdom and that you're raising up every person here in their own unique individual ways with the gifts and abilities you've given them. And to whom much is given, much is required. Walk with us, guide us, and we know you will as we see our nation and our world through just another crisis into the clarity of a new day because Jesus is Lord. I thank you for that in your wonderful name. Amen. Is that okay today? You're not like...